In our evening service last week, we talked about how God draws his church together. And I think when we start talking about the church, we should begin with what God does. But this week, I want us to continue talking about the church, and our focus will be more on what we do, on how we respond to what God has done in drawing us together. For our text tonight, we'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 16 tonight. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. And what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe." It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up to him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work." These verses that we read for tonight point us to three ways that we in the church respond to God's work. First, as God's people, we live out the unity that we've been given. Second, as God's people, we build up the body of Christ with the gifts that he's given us. And third, as we do those first two things, we grow into the full measure of Christ himself. First, as the church, we live out the unity that God has called us to. The Lord has drawn us into one, and he calls us to live out that unity. Verses 4 to 6 tell us there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Paul really wants to emphasize the work of God there, and he really also wants to emphasize that God draws his people together and makes us one. The church begins with the work of God. We talked last week about how God gathers and gifts and guards his people. And because God has drawn us together, we already have a built-in oneness, a real unity that we don't make for ourselves, but that God has made for us and that he gives us. But that's also a unity unity that we're called to live out. And verse 2 gives us some ways to do that. It says we should be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love, And then Ephesians really brings the point home in verse 3. And that verse says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that phrase there, that make every effort especially, is way under-translated. 
It doesn't give you anything like the sense of urgency and power that Ephesians wants us to hear. We're supposed to make every effort to keep this unity. I ran track for a little while, just a few weeks in high school, and I did mostly short distances, 100 meters, couple hundred meters. I wasn't real fast. That's part of why I only did it for a few weeks. But there was this one meet that we went to, and we all lined up, and I I don't remember if there were eight or ten lanes, but the starting gun went off, and everybody took off, and one other guy and I watched everyone else take off, and we were doing our best, but we were way, way behind. And as we rounded the last curve, the two of us started kind of coasting. We didn't want to be in last place, but second to last was okay with us. And as we rounded this curve, our two coaches were standing there. And these coaches were big, big, old, loud, grumpy guys. They were both football coaches along with being track coaches, and they looked like they could go out on the football field and beat up anybody who came after them. And as they watched us kind of coast around this last corner, you can guess they just let us go by, right? Not so much. You can guess they kind of told us pick up the pace, right? Not so much. I don't totally remember what the other coach did, but mine came running up to the edge of the track. Go! 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 Move! I was so scared. I was scared out of my mind. But boy, that last 50 meters, that last 50 meters was the fastest I have ever gone in my life. And actually, I think the other guy's coach was probably doing the same thing because he was just about keeping pace with me as we pounded toward that finish line. And I kept thinking, please don't let the coach chase me. Please don't let the coach chase me. Please don't let the coach chase me. 100% effort right there for the rest of the race. And I think I quit track the next week, coincidentally. But that kind of effort, that kind of going after it with everything we've got, That's the kind of effort that verse 3 is talking about. Unity in the church isn't optional. It's not something we're ever allowed to just kind of coast on. It's something we have to be going after all the time. And it isn't always easy. It doesn't always make us happy. We don't always get our own way in the church. But we've been called and brought into this fellowship that is the body of Christ. And we have been strongly instructed to make every effort to keep the unity of this body. And I think in general we're pretty blessed with that at faith here. But it's something we always need to keep working on. And we need to work on this personally. Even if we sometimes struggle to get along with other people in the church, they're called to the same people that we are called to. And so we need to make every effort to keep our unity. So even the people with bad breath, even the people who sit in our seat, even the people who don't like the music that we like, even the people who kind of just get under our skin, even those people we're called to work hard to be unified with. And that doesn't mean that we have to be best buddies with everybody else in the church, but it does mean that we have to be serious, that we need to make every effort to be unified. And we need to do that personally, and we also need to do it organizationally. Sometimes, and I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes committees, council members, different leaders of the church, sometimes we disagree on things. Sometimes we disagree a little bit intensely on things. I know it's shocking, but it's true. It actually isn't shocking, right? But when those time comes, when we argue and we debate and we go back and forth, When the decision is made, we need to move 
forward together. And there is a place for vigorous discussions in the church. There's a time to weigh different options and get input. But when the time comes that we as a church move forward, we need to move forward together. I think that's something I've pretty much always seen here at Faith, but it's something we need to treasure and something we need to keep going after, that we move forward together as one body. And so we aren't just one united body that sits around, but we get to work together. In the church, this is the second point for tonight, as the church, we build up the body of Christ with the gifts he's given us. God gives us gifts so that we can build up the church. Verse 7 tells us that all of us have been given gifts, have been given grace as Christ apportioned it. And there's this ongoing discussion about this section, especially about verses 11 to 13, what it means to build up the body of Christ with these gifts. Those verses list some particular roles, apostles, teachers, things like that. And the question is, who, what are those roles supposed to do? Is it just those people who are supposed to do all the work? And there are some people who say this list of gifts, the people who have those positions, those are the people who do the real work of the church. This view looks at the church a bit like a bus, and a full bus can have a lot of people on it, right? You can pack the people in there, but really you have one person who does all the work. You can have 50 or 60 people on the bus, but really it's the driver who does all the work. The driver does all the work, and everyone else is more or less along for the ride. And that way of looking at these verses, that way of looking at the church, really focuses on certain people within the church. It looks at the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and it says those are the people who really matter. Those are the people who really do God's work. I saw that attitude with a few of my classmates in seminary, not most of them, but a few, There were a few that just had this sense that their job, their role, their calling was to be the one who did everything in the church. I remember one person in particular who always talked about how in high school, one particular day that he remembered with crystal clarity, he got the calling to be a pastor. He had the calling, and in his mind, the calling meant that he was going to go and he was going to do everything and be everything for some particular church. The church's work was something he as a minister was just going to take care of. That's one way to understand these verses, but I don't think it's the best way. What these verses actually say is that everybody's got a gift. Everybody has a part to play in equipping and building up the body of Christ. The analogy that the Bible gives us isn't that the church is like a bus, that one person does all the work and everyone else is along for the ride. The analogy that the Bible gives us, among many others, is that the church is a body. The church is a body. And the church needs all of the members to be working right if the body of Christ is going to be built up. We're all called to play a part in building up the body of Christ. The reformers like to talk about the priesthood of all believers. And what they were going after there is that we don't need to go to some other human priest. We don't need some human mediator between us and God so that we can speak to God. Jesus is our high priest and he's all we need. 
But I think we also have a call, a need to go for the ministry of all believers. It's not that the ministry of the church is something we delegate to a few people. It's something we all do together. Everybody has a calling to be part of the work of the church. We all have different gifts. We all have different roles to play. But we all have roles to play. Some of us are called to work, especially with the children, to teach Sunday school, to volunteer with the youth group. Some of us are especially focused on discipleship ministries. We're called to lead Bible studies or to facilitate small groups. Some of us are really gifted and called to help with the logistical work of the church, to serve on committees, to make sure the roof doesn't leak, to make sure that the coffee gets out at the right time and the offering money gets counted and all those things. Some of us are really called to serve the needy, to bring relief to those who are suffering, to go out into the world and to bring help to those who are in need. Others of us have a special calling, a special giftedness to share the gospel, to go out and to proclaim in all kinds of different ways that the Lord Jesus is the only true Savior. And some of us are especially called to pray, to bring the joys and needs of the whole church continually before the Lord. And I could go on and on and on and give all kinds of, all kinds of gifts, all kinds of roles, all kinds of calls. The point is that you have one. You have a part to play here. We as a church all gathered together have been gifted to build up the body of Christ. And as we do that, we grow together into Christ. For our third point for tonight, as the church, we together grow up into Christ. As the church, we together grow up into the full measure of Christ. As we practice unity, as we use our gifts, we together attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We grow together. And if we aren't growing together, we aren't doing it right. The Bible hardly even knows about this thing we sometimes think of as an individual Christian. We belong together. We work together. We grow together. It was a character in an older movie I saw once who was a workout nut, but he only worked out one side of his body. Like I said, he was a workout nut. He was crazy. But he lifted weights. He did everything he could on the right side of his body, and he did absolutely no kind of exercise with the left side of his body. So you look at him from the right, and he looked like a bodybuilder. He looked massively strong. You look at him from the left, he just looked like a normal person, and you look at him from the front or the back, and he just looked, well, he looked like an idiot. He was all lopsided. He was huge on one side and tiny on the other, and he looked just ridiculous. It seemed like he could hardly even walk in a straight line. He was so disproportionate. And we don't want a church like that. We don't want a church where some people are really strong and really thriving, and where other people don't do much, and we just don't worry about the difference. We're always called to build up the broader body of believers, and what we do or what we don't do impacts everybody else. If we don't engage with the church, it's spiritually dangerous for us, but it also costs everybody else something. If we don't engage with the church, 
it hurts our own spiritual formation. But if we don't really dig into this body and get to work and help each other, if you don't do that, then you are costing the rest of us something. As believers, we need to take the gathered church seriously because this is where we grow best as individuals. It's best for us as Christians to be together with others if we really want to grow in our faith. But we also need to take the church seriously because this, this is where God uses us to help other people grow. Christian community is incredibly helpful for our own spiritual growth. And it's also incredibly important for us to engage with this body so that we can help other people grow. Every single one of us has a part to play, a work to do to help all of us together grow into the full measure of Christ. As we wrap up this evening, I want us to shift our focus again to what God does in his church. This passage from Ephesians talks about how we grow up into Christ, and it talks about how we attain the full measure of Christ. And think about that for a minute. What a vision that is, that we would grow into the full measure of the Son of God. Think about that, that we would grow to the measure of Christ. What a vision for our lives but also how impossible and how far off does that vision sometimes seem. None of us is perfect. And as we grow older and grow more experienced in the faith, as we get to know ourselves more, the more we often realize how imperfect each of us actually is. Do we really think that we can grow up into the measure of Christ? And if we look around our church, you know, by God's grace, we have a lot of wonderful things going here at Faith, but we're far, far from perfect. And it's hard sometimes to see how God can take what we see around us and can grow us, us individually and us together into the full measure of Christ. It's just really hard to see how that could happen. But God is the one who works it out, and God does work it out. A little bit after our first baby, David, was born, we had some friends visit us in the hospital, and they brought their first baby along. And their first baby was maybe eight or nine months old. And he was huge. I mean, this kid was a giant. He actually wasn't, but he was an eight or nine month old. And our newborn, look, tiny. And I remember thinking, how is David ever going to get to be that big? The thing that sleep deprivation does to your brain, being a new parent, is just crazy. But a couple years ago, we were putting together an event with another family from church, and their kids were a few years older than ours. And at some point, their oldest kid walked up and asked a question. I thought, man, that kid is tall. My kids are tiny. They're never going to get that big. And now our little baby David is getting up to be pretty much as tall as my chin. It happens, it happens fast, right? How do the kids ever get that big? But they do. Over the years, when we aren't looking, the growth just happens. And spiritual growth can be that way too. Despite all our mistakes, despite all our limitations, despite the reality that we can always look around at the church and say, how can God ever get us to where he says he will? Despite all that, God does grow his church. God does make his church able to grow and to mature 
And over time, we come to look more and more like Christ. We're called to make every effort to build up this body, but the final result doesn't depend on what we do. Christ is the head of this body. It's Christ who makes us one. It's Christ who gives us the gifts we need to work for him. It's Christ who enables us to grow into him. We are called to make every effort, each of us, called to make every effort to be unified, to use our gifts to build up this body. But in the end, it is God's work. In the end, it is God who gathers and gifts and guards his church. So let's make every effort to build up the body, but let's also rest in the knowledge that we are God's beloved, gathered, cared for people.